0: We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. My name is DeAndre Johnson. I'm a pastor over at Memorial Drive, United Methodist Church, which is just a little bit down the road here. And I'm so grateful uh, that Colin invited me to be a part uh, of worship with you this morning and to um, be able to open up the bread of life with you today. Uh, If you haven't already, want to be sure that you go ahead and check in with us this morning. Uh, Let us know that you're here. Uh, We say at my church, and I'm sure it is true here, that we're a better church when we know who we're worshiping with. Uh, and so that will help out uh, this community to know who all is here and uh, be able to be in prayer with you and uh, connect with you throughout the week here. So uh, I believe there are QR code right here on the screen, or you can scan the one that's on the floor there. I really like the stickers on the floor. That's awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. Friends, um, I invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord that comes to us from the prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 61, towards the end of the book, as it were, here. And hear these words, Uh, listen now for the word of the Lord. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations for I the Lord love justice I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations." This is the word of God for the people of God. Together we say thanks to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that by your spirit you are transforming us that we might be a part of how you are transforming the world. So Lord, in this moment, speak to us for we, your servants, are listening. Amen. All right, so let me do a real quick disclaimer here and an apology, as it were. So my name is DeAndre Johnson, and I apologize to any of you sports fans out there who may have heard DeAndre Johnson and thought, oh, we got a Texans player that's going to come and speak to us this morning. I, I I know I look like I'm athletic, but that ain't me. Some of you may have thought, well, DeAndre Jordan is coming to speak with us, and that ain't me either here. Uh, look, listen, I'm really terrible at sports in general. Uh, my, my children can attest to this, my wife can attest to it, my whole family can attest to it, really. I'm, I'm terrible. I can't, I can't hit a ball, I can't dribble a ball, uh, I, I can't throw a ball, the, I can barely catch one. About the only thing I can do is run, and at 41, that's still questionable right now. <laughs> I mean, while well, I was growing up in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana is where I'm originally from, um, when I was growing up, my cousins and I, we would always play sports, quite oftentimes, in the streets, some various versions of street ball. We'll, we'll make up our own version of basketball, and we'd make up our own version of touch football, et cetera. And my cousin, he was always frustrated with me because, well, I'm not very good. But he always made sure that despite my my skill level, despite whatever uh, success rate I might have in being able to manage the ball or to execute the play or whatever it is, he always made sure that I had a place on the team. I might have been chosen last, but I always had a place on the team. Not only did I always have a place on the team, but I always had a place of some value (laughs) there on the team. My cousin always made sure that even though I may not have been the most skilled or talented or knowledgeable, that my presence and my voice and my work mattered. Have you ever felt like your presence, that your voice, that your work mattered? Wherever you might find yourself, whatever you might find yourself doing, whatever group you are, that what you bring to the table and what you choose to invest your time in actually matters. I pray and hope that We all have places and seasons in our lives where we experience the joy of this kind of worthwhile living. But you and I know that sometimes we do have seasons of our lives, even whole lifetimes for some of us, where this is not the case, where we feel or are made to feel Like what we bring to the table is not important or that the work that must be done is beyond our capability or our capacity. And so we sit on the sidelines as disengaged spectators, watching and waiting and hopeful but also disappointed and frustrated and skeptical. And this perhaps gets magnified when we encounter systems and institutions that are supposed to lead the charge in creating a more just society, a more fair world, but instead are so mired with their own internal conflicts or their own archaic practices or their own problems and persistent prejudices that they contribute more to the problems of the world than to any solutions. So we disengage, saying either, well, that's their problem, I'm going to let them figure it out. Or perhaps even more pointedly, we might say, to heck with it all, what's the point? Why try at all? In regard to the church or organized religion in general, it's no wonder that some have become disengaged spectators. Whether they count themselves the nuns or the duns or the spiritual but not religious, they all share this sense of disengagement that is due in part to the church having squandered its own engagement with them. Squandered its opportunity to say emphatically that every person matters. And every person has been called by God to make the world a better place through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every person has a seat at this table. That all of us, no matter what our uh, skill or ability is, no matter who you think you are or who you've been told you are, no matter what your gifting or your skill level or your vocation might be, all of us are called to participate in the life of the Spirit so that through the Spirit, Our whole life might become a beacon or signpost of hope that you, each of you, each of us, even you have a role to play in creating hope and justice in the world. I mean, don't let anybody fool you, friends, into thinking that this is only for the chosen or as if there are kind of two classes of people, the, the chosen and the not chosen, the, the sacred versus the secular, the, those who have direct access to God and those who don't have access to God. Friends, there is no such divide, really. There's really no difference in our chosenness or our sacredness. Nothing different between pastor and non-pastor, between uh, uh, sacredness, between priest and non-priest. No matter what you may call it, we all have a place. We all have been chosen by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to be God's servants in the world. Ministers and proclaimers of, good, of the good news of Jesus Christ. The difference is not in the fact of our chosenness, but only really in the roles that we simply serve. And that the Spirit of the Lord gives you a seat at the table, a voice to be heard, and meaningful work to do. Somebody point to yourself say, I got work to do. Yeah, this really is the purpose of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that we receive from God in and through our baptism here to totally and wholly transform us into agents of God's goodness in the world to empower and enable your ordinary life to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you may remember that from Sunday school or from some some time, bygone time, past, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To demonstrate our whole life, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit and to be the source of these fruit in the world. That you become the source of goodness in the world. You become the source of kindness, the source of gentleness, the source of self-control in the world. And all throughout the scriptures, it makes it abundantly clear that whatever God is up to in the world, it necessitates the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And that those who are faithful to God's mission are identified with and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, friends, we are spiritual people and there is something unique and different about those who are filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Not only does the Spirit give us a seat at the table, but the Spirit then gives us power to be transformed and to transform the world into God's new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what exactly is this this power? How are we then to understand the power that the spirit gives and how it transforms our lives? I invite you to listen again to the words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the literally opening of eyes to those who are uh, from darkness for those who are prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. It's important to note, friends, that in this passage, the me that's here is ambiguous. The author doesn't tell us exactly who the me is and makes it become a poetic device that allows the reader, invites the reader to insert themselves. That the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. It's on you. It's on us. God's spirit, God's ruach. Uh, I believe uh, uh, Pastor Colin uh, helped you learn ruach last week there, that, that great Hebrew word that is oftentimes translated as spirit, but we also find it translated as wind, breath, air. In other words, it's God's life presence. God's life presence that gives life to all creation, but also brings forth a new creation. It's that creative energy, that surrounds us and is within us, empowers us. God's spirit, God's ruach, summons us, calls us, empowers and deputizes us into a life that heralds and participates in God's salvation and justice. Justice, that being how God is making things right, bringing things that have been torn asunder back into right relationship with each other so that they are made whole And that in their wholeness, they hail a new creation. We see this in Genesis 1 when God takes light and dark and puts them into right relationship. God takes different matters of creation and puts them in the right creationship to make something new. So, God is doing this even in our time. And coming at a time in Israel where there is great frustration and despair over the failure of people and institutions that were supposed to keep people safe and enact justice, a time when things felt more doomed for destruction than pregnant with potential, Isaiah says to his readers and to us to resist the temptation to disengage and instead lean into the life of the Spirit because God is not through with us yet. That there is hope. And hope, friends, changes everything. Hope literally changes everything. To lean into the life of the Spirit and to know that God isn't through with us yet means that whatever my circumstance is, whatever the world might look like right now, this is not the end. Hope changes then how I show up in the world. It changes how I even view the world. It changes how I might understand you and how you might understand me. It changes how I understand God. That God is not aloof somewhere and is not ignorant to or neglectful of what is happening in my life right now. But instead God comes to make things right. Not only does God come, but God sends God's messengers, God's anointed. God sends you to be light and love and peace and joy. Hope changes everything. And spiritual people, that is those on whom the spirit rests, are hope-filled people whose very lives can't help but declare through words and actions that God sees and is concerned for all of us. Not just some of us, but for all of us, especially those whom the world sometimes does not see or refuses to see. Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. That is those who are powerless. To bind up the broken heart of those who've been broken by whatever uh, systems have broken, uh, created broken disparities in our world and in our lives. Or those who've been broken by relationships. God sends God's hope-filled people to be reminders to all of the world that God sees all of us and God is concerned for all of us. In short, God sends us to care, to actually care, to care enough for all those whom whom we meet, all those whom we encounter in our lives, to care enough to be concerned for their wholeness, for their healing and for their health, to be concerned that every voice has a place at the table and every voice is heard to be concerned that everyone is able to live fully into their God-given potential and know that they have meaningful purpose for their lives. God sends us to tell the whole world that God sees all of us And not only does God see the outcast living at the edges of the society, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, God sends us on this most sacred and holy mission to erase the edges so that all may live in the freedom of God's kingdom. Father Gregory Boyle uh, is a Jesuit priest and founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. Uh, he, his work was very instrumental in fact in uh, the creation of Houston Revision, which uh, St. Luke's has a strong partnership with and uh, connected with the Gethsemane Camp campus here as well. It, it works with gang intervention and it's the largest gang intervention rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. In his book, Tattoos on the Heart, he speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit in this way. He says, there's no daylight to separate us, only kinship, inching ourselves closer to creating a community of kinship such that God might recognize it. And soon we imagine, he says, with God, this circle of compassion, moving ourselves closer to the margins of that circle so that the margins themselves will be erased He says, we stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim that God does not throw people away. The spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim that God does not throw people away. The spirit of the Lord is upon us to proclaim with our whole lives, with everything that we are and everything that we do, that God does not throw people away. Isaiah makes it abundantly clear that when we lean into the life of the Holy Spirit at work within us and through us, that then we become a part of changing the narrative of our common life from despairing skepticism to now realized hope. I wonder how might the Holy Spirit work through you, through your job, your finances, your your time, through your whole life? How might the Spirit be working through you to realize hope and to erase the edges. A pastor out of Kansas uh, uh, has a book called Work Matters about worship through the whole work week. And in it, he tells the story of a member of his congregation, uh, a fellow by the name of Dave. Dave. Dave and his wife own a small company in Kansas and they describe themselves as persons with good intentions seeking to build a decent company, make a decent living and perhaps do some good. When they began to lean into the life of the spirit, he says, Dave says that for the first time he realized that I could feel God's pleasure, power and purpose in and through my work every day and not just When the accounting books were closed at the end of the year. Dave goes on to say this. He says, My wife and I no longer have a sense that there are other more significant or spiritual vocations. That God made us the way we are, and therefore, as entrepreneurs, we are doing that which God alone determines is our most sacred response to Him. And so we try to create a place where every decision matters, where the way we negotiate contracts matters where the beauty of the buildings we build matters, where the freedom or lack thereof that we create for others matters. Each and every day in the sacred of the mundane, we understand that our work, our vocations matter to God, and that none are more spiritual than others. Rather, we determine daily through our thoughts and words and actions whether we choose to honor the life of the Spirit through our work we choose we choose whether or not to submit the work of our hands to the life of the Spirit the Spirit who calls us to proclaim good news to the powerless to bind up the brokenhearted to be agents of healing in that way to proclaim freedom and release to those who have been long held captive to comfort those who mourn and to bestow on them a crown that says that your grief will not be the end of your story. We choose whether to submit ourselves to be spiritual people, hope-filled people, so that others may see in us, may know from us, may experience through us the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ that can literally change the world. We choose whether to live as spiritual people or not. We choose whether to live as hope-filled people or not. We choose whether to live into the life of the Spirit or not. Friends, the Spirit of the Lord has chosen you summoning you to hope-filled purpose. What will you choose today? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that by your spirit you have chosen each and every one of us to give us a seat at the table, a voice to be heard, and meaningful work to do. We pray that by your grace here in this place, we would have courage and boldness to follow where you lead, to live as your hope-filled people so that the whole of our lives, everything we say, everything we do, everything we invest our time in, might share with the whole world that you aren't through with us yet. So bless us now as we come to your table and be reminded of your hope for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray.